Welcome back. We are at episode four of the Class of 2024 podcast. I know for many of you, particularly those in Pennsylvania listening, you started your school year last week. And I heard directly from some of you expressing both your happiness with how things turned out and quite honestly, um, many people express frustration over new technology woes and things like that. For the bulk of us here in New Jersey, school is starting this week, so we will, we're will we a week behind you. Uh, I'm grateful to my Pennsylvania friends who reached out and told us some of what to expect, but I think this is going to be a year in general where we're going to have to take it as it comes, week to week, day to day, and at least for the next couple of weeks, I'm honored to be here with you. Let's get going. So just to do a quick recap of our previous three weeks, we started out talking about minding the gap from the the platform of middle school. We moved to minding the gap from the actual stepping on board to high school. And last week, we talked very specifically about making the academic transition, how to set up a workspace, why and how to use a planner, and how to be Zoom friendly. This week, we're gonna focus on the social transition. And this is gonna be really important, especially in this year. Again, we always come back to that unprecedented time, but especially in this year, a lot of the social opportunities that would normally be there are not going to be there. So again, it's gonna be a little bit more incumbent on us as parents, as guardians, to make sure we're helping our students make that transition to their new social environment. That'll look very different depending on what high school you're going to. So my kids go to a large regional high school that is the merging of several middle schools from several different districts. And that's not uncommon in New Jersey that we have such a setup. So for some people in a K to 12 district, your kids will be going with the same people they had in middle school and they'll just be adjusting to a new school. For others like mine, And many of our listeners, they're going to a large regional high school and they're trying to meet people as they go. Step one in this is to get them involved or to encourage their involvement in something in their high school. As of right now, again, most fall sports are being played, at least at our high school. So both of my kids are involved in a fall sport. So that's nice. It gives them something social to interact, not just with people from their own middle school, but with people from the other middle schools that funnel into their own. It doesn't have to be sports. Many schools are putting forth different ways, envisioning different ways to get kids involved with activities that would normally be happening at the school. So that drama club might look very different than it has before, but check because it may still be running. The social transition is something that's gonna be so important to the overall happiness and well-being of our kids. And it's not something you want to take lightly. So again, get them involved, ideally in something at the high school. To a lesser extent, giving, getting them involved in something is good. But again, if we're trying to, to attach them to the high school, to get them acclimated there, that anything that you can do, like I said, fall sport, activity. Interestingly, 
our school is running sports and activities even though my kids are online. And that's true of several area schools. So don't write it off because your school is online. Those activities may not be happening. Look into it and encourage your student to get involved. Again, it's a great way to help your student make that social transition to their new school. Along with joining high school sports activities, things like that, another recommendation I'm going to give is that you encourage your kids to be as social as you are comfortable with. So I'm not suggesting that if you've been very careful all summer that you suddenly open up your doors to 30 of your kids' closest new friends. But I am suggesting, and we all know this, there's a second wave coming. I'm not even sure we're out of the first. I'm not sure we're gonna be out of the first. But we're going to be kind of coming back in, coming closer to home as fall and winter approach. We can feel it already. It's really important right now and for as long as possible to help our kids stay as social as possible. So it's gonna be tempting as they start getting into school and homework and things like that, to kind of put their friendships aside. And yes, to an extent, they need to get their homework done, they need to get their studying done. But we as parents can also prioritize that on the weekends and things like that, again, as per your own comfort level, you suggest to your kids that they get together with their friends, however that's been happening or, or to whatever comfort level you've been allowing that to happen. We wanna kind of stock up as much as possible on those good memories and things like that so that we're in the thick of December and January and February with a host of memories rather than lamenting the fact that in those times in September and October when we could still be going out and we could still be getting together that we sacrifice that time. I think that there's a balance to be made between academics and social and that social piece is gonna be really important and maybe worth front ending right now since we know that later down the road those two things academics and social life are likely to be a little bit out of balance as per what covid will require finally try to strike a balance with electronics i've heard from a couple camps of parents on this there's one set of parents that says as long as the electronics are keeping my kids occupied so be it. I've kind of let go of rules and things like that. And then there are others that say, well, I firmly believe that pediatricians say that my kids should be on their electronics for X amount of time. And that's what I'm going with. And I think probably the best place to land is somewhere in the middle. I'll be honest that my own kids are on their electronics more than I would normally let them be. But again, I see that as somewhat of a lifeline to the outside. They aren't getting together with their friends as much as they would be in, in non-COVID times. And the electronics can serve as a connection. Even the video games, and it's so easy to write off video games and say, well, they're nothing, they're mush. I did read earlier today that there's a study out that says that video games help with literacy. And I'm wondering if someone's just throwing the COVID parents a bone there, but video games can be a socialization in and of themselves. I know at the height of, of being in quarantine, my kids were playing Fortnite or games they hadn't visited in a while, but things that were multiplayer games where they could get on and connect with their friends. And that was much more than just them, you know, turning into puddles of goo in front of a, a video game. That was a chance for them to talk, to be active with their friends doing something. 
So again, I still stick to what I said. You want to prioritize in-person meetings to the extent that you've been doing them, because in the winter, we will be turning more to video games and other means of, of socializing. But don't necessarily look at electronic usage as bad. Sometimes it can help. And even though it seems like, geez, that's another screen after they've been on screens the entire day, it can be a different type of release. So again, everything in moderation, but evaluate your kids' use of electronics. It may not be a black or white thing that things are either all good or all bad with electronics. Likely there are some hazy gray areas in there where your kids may actually be using these to some good and mixed with exercise and seeing people socially and other things like that. Electronics may not be a bad thing to keep in the mix. All right, good people. This was a shorter one this week. Interestingly, last week's was a lot longer. So I'm wondering if, if this is God's way of trying to even me out, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it and go with it. The, the information was rather direct this time. Again, each week I highlight an organization that you could look to donate to or to support in some way. This week, I'm going to go with Donors Choose at DonorsChoose.org. You've probably heard of this one before. But as we're starting the new year, there are, there are teachers out there that are looking for support in a couple of different ways. It's not uncommon for teachers to put their own money out for their supplies and things like that. As a former teacher, I remember often putting out well over $1,000, $1,200 um, off a salary that never capped over 60. Not sure it capped over 55. Um, so teachers put a lot of their own time and money into things. If you're unfamiliar with Donors Choose, this is kind of a um, meta donation site where teachers can put forth a project that they're seeking money on and ask for donations, kind of like a GoFundMe specific to teachers and specific to classes. What I like about Donors Choose is that the there are filters available that allow you to pick by uh, schools that are more underserved or underfunded. You can pick by your geographic area if you want to support a school in your own district or your own area. And you can also kind of sort through what they're looking for. A couple things I saw on a recent trip to Donors Choose I saw some projects on race relations and getting text, uh, rather getting uh, works of fiction and things like that into the hands of kids to try to help foster a dialogue about all of the racial tension and injustice happening in our country right now. There are people that are seeking COVID-related supplies, directional arrows, um, little dots you put on the floor to help littler kids to kind of stand where they need to to be socially distanced and things like that. And if you want to, you can choose a different part of the country. Maybe you choose California. Maybe you choose Louisiana, some of the areas that have been hit harder by natural disasters or things like that. So there's really a lot of choice in donors choose. But again, you have those filters available to you. I would also suggest you look for a project that is nearly funded, where maybe your donation could bring it to completion. There's something really satisfying about knowing that your specific donation helped that teacher reach their goal. So in this week when we are just getting back in with our teachers, I know our teachers are nervous, I'm married to a teacher, 
um, help them out a little bit and see if there's a way that you can contribute to the unique needs of a classroom that speaks to you. Guys, have a great week. When we come back next week, we'll be talking about making the personal transition and taking care of physical and mental health as students get going into the school year. I wish you the best of luck.